Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Are you a motivated food blogger striving to meet financial or freedom goals? If so, then the Eat Blog Talk membership is for you. Take a journey with like-minded peers that will bring you past the overwhelm and straight into the arms of clarity. You will have direct access to guest experts delivering massive amounts of value into your business. You will have the opportunity to participate in monthly strategy calls, focusing on different aspects of food blogging. And most importantly, you will be part of a tight-knit, supportive, and encouraging family filled with people just like you. Visit eatblogtalk.com for more information, and the rest of us cannot wait to see you inside. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I am so honored to have Chef Dennis Litley here with me from askchefdennis.com, and we are going to dive into the topic of optimizing old blog posts. Chef Dennis is a food blogger, chef, social media enthusiast, and travel blogger. He loves sharing his restaurant-style recipes and helps his friends find the joy of cooking. Dennis, you are like an old friend to me. I feel like I've known you forever. We were just talking before the um, before we started recording. Uh, it feels it's been like ten years, but it kind of feels like a hundred years. So I'm just glad to have you here with me today. But first, before we dive into this topic, I I as well as everyone else wants to hear what your fun fact is. Ah, oh, my fun fact. Okay, I wrestled collegiate and Greco-Roman and freestyle for almost 30 years. That's my fun fact. Whoa. Okay. Tell me more about that. How did you get into that? And what does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, I was, it's not, I don't, I, when I say those styles, I won't, don't want people to think I was like a WWE wrestler. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't diving off the, off the ropes with a mask on, although some days that sounded like it could have been fun. Uh, but no, I, I, um, Started wrestling when I was 13 and went on through my high school career and in a little bit in college. And there was not a lot left after that. So I started doing AAU wrestling and it wasn't what I was used to. It was called freestyle. And freestyle was a completely different animal and it changed over the years. And then I learned a little Greco Roman and another style called Sambo, which was with uh, a judo jacket and was extremely difficult. Uh, but yeah, it just, it was something I did. I coached it for almost as long as I wrestled and I was an official, uh, worked my way up through the ranks as a official for AAU tournaments and getting the Olympic athletes ready. I competed in a few qualifiers myself, but you know, was never quite at that, that level to actually compete in the Olympics or even get close. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun That's doing so it. That's so cool. And I see a theme with you. So you get into certain things and you really dive into them. Like you are a chef and I know that you really are passionate about that.
that and food blogging as well. I mean, you've been like a really good resource for food bloggers for so many years and wrestling that <laughs> that obviously you liked it if you did it for 30 years on some level, too. Yeah, I had a good time with that. I met a lot of really, really nice people. And, you know, you'll meet nice people no matter what you do. You just have to weed out the ones that aren't too nice. But uh, yeah, that is so true. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, you're here today to talk about optimizing old blog posts. You and I both have layers and layers of content sitting in our archives. I am in the process of going through mine right now. I made a decision like, I don't know, it was probably a year ago to start getting rid of, or start, stop creating, I'll say, stop creating the new until I started going through the old and kind of getting a handle on everything I had. I feel like I just built up so much garbage over the years and I wasn't paying attention to it. So now I'm just finally getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I need to take care of this stuff before I move on and make new stuff. And I'm sure you can relate to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, So I'm excited to learn from you because I know you have kind of a process that you go through. So I guess the first question is, where do we even start with this, especially for older bloggers like you and me? How do we prioritize which posts we even focus on first? Well, I I always tell people to start with Google Analytics. And the best place to start is with your posts that are already performing well. And, you know, that might not be where where you would think. But if your posts are performing well, you want to try and pump them up a little and get more out of them. And blogging has changed on how we write blogs, what we include in the blogs. I mean, we used to have to have a story with everything. And now, you know, people don't want the stories. Uh, they just want the recipe. You know, you just got to have a jump to recipe button. But, you know, it doesn't mean you still can't inflect a little of your personality in it. And, you know, if they don't want it, well, it's too damn bad you know, because it's your blog and you need to write in a voice that you're comfortable with. So don't, so don't let people talk you out of that. But that being said, you know, there is a format you kind of want to follow. And I've learned all this through trial and error and refusing to make changes and then finally going, okay, I see what you're talking about. Uh, One of my best resources, I don't know if you know him, is Casey Marquis. Uh, He is just an exceptional person and always there to help. And he's done a, a lot for me and dragging me, kicking and screaming sometimes, but, you know, making me make some changes. Um. But it's, yeah, you go to Google Analytics and what I did, you know, there's been so many changes over the last few years of what Google wants, uh, what what they want to see and what you need to add to it, that it can be mind boggling. Um, one of the first things I did before I even started updating the posts was I, I went to them and I went through Google Analytics and I started making sure that all the... Uh, the uh, keywords were in there that I had my other descriptions in uh, for the people that can't uh, see, you know, the, what, oh my God, what do we call those? The alt text. text. The alt text. Yeah. The alt tags tags were just whatever you were making was, you know, we didn't know any better. And then somebody says, you know, they're for the blind so they can hear what you're writing. I'm like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So, you know, I started with alt tags, descriptions, keywords, making sure that my uh, recipes were all converted because most recipe cards have those conversion tools in them and that everything was kind of laid out going through your Google search console. So that was the first step, the first step in optimizing them somewhat to get them to perform a little better. And what I did was I went through 
10 a night and I had a kind of a pattern of what I would update, a call to action. You know, that was something I never had in any of my posts. Uh, put And I would put in the keywords, a call to action, check the, the recipe card, and I would get all that set up and make sure the alt tags were right, and then I'd move on to another post. And I would do 10 a night, you know, nothing overwhelming. And I would do them with my laptop on my lap uh, while I was watching TV. And, you know, just try and take a little bit, take a bite out of the, a little bite out of the elephant at a time, you know, and uh, I ended up doing close to 300 posts that way. You know, it took a long time. Oh my gosh, that is so inspiring. Okay, I need to come up with a process like that because I'm all about processes and doing what you're saying, but I've never um, had that big of a goal to do like 10 a night. But so you're saying you took like really bite-sized pieces of it. So for example focusing on keyword description and alt text for 10 posts a night. And then did you kind of, okay, so you did that first and I did that. And while I was in there, I, you know, does everybody have a call to action? You know, it's amazing how many people will actually leave you a comment if you ask them to. So, you know, it was like, you know, if you enjoyed this post, please let me know. I love hearing from you. And then you also put in your social media tags. So with Gutenberg, you know, you can make a reusable uh, uh, block that you can just pull up call to action all the time and just pop it in. And that's another good thing to do. You know, while you're going through your top posts, convert them over to, to blocks. And believe me, I was very hesitant. And I started learning it. And I went, oh, this isn't difficult oh, yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. And it actually makes your life easier, so, right? You know, Using the Gutenberg block. Gutenberg oh, my blocks. God. Yeah. yeah. Although, re- remember to convert the block to regular a regular block because I wasn't doing that at first and it was changing all my blocks to the same thing, which was making me crazy for a while. It took about 10 posts to figure that out. Um, cause it would just keep changing them, but you know, just, yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be 10. Maybe your goal is five you know, and, and, and you can take weekends off. It doesn't have to be every day or maybe Monday through Thursday, but start taking bites out of that elephant and working on your posts that are already performing well. So you're not really affecting them too much. You're not changing the pictures. You know, if you're in there and you see something that shouldn't be there anymore, if you want to pop out a story that was just way too long, or, you know, if you're feeling really enthused about it, you might break up your paragraphs a little bit more so that, you know, because we used to write like in one big block uh, so that you have ad space too. you know, little things. And once you kind of get used to the flow of doing it, and then it's just, it's repeat, you know, it's just repeat and then repeat and you just do it. And then it's, it becomes almost mindless to a point at that point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've been on a same journey over the years where I will go in, um, again, your 10 a night is so inspiring. I've never done that, but I will go into a post and do certain things over and over, like you mentioned, adding alt text to the images. And you're right. After a while, it becomes something that you really don't even have to think about. And I could sit in the evening next to my fire and my hubby and do it as like without even thinking about it. Um, so this is this is super inspiring me because I need to get through my garbage. There's so much, so I need a process, and it, that will help me. I know a ton. Yeah. I tell you, the first thing I did, too, was, you know, we wrote some really, or I did anyway, <laughs> I wrote some really bad posts when I got Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> and there were, and then I also wrote some that 
I would hope never saw the light of day again. Some sponsored <laughs> posts, uh, some just some things that really didn't make sense anymore. So I went in and I got rid of them because another thing is Google gives you so much room to crawl. And if you have like I had, I think, 800 posts at the time, Uh, you know, it was like they're not going to crawl them all. So you're going to get some and then maybe next month they'll do some more. So by weeding out the ones that you really don't need crawled anymore and, and you know, you don't have to delete them. You can uncheck them from being you know, search from on search if you want to, you know, some, I just, I was very happy just to get rid of them. So I got rid of them, but you know, it, it is a matter of, of prioritizing what you want Google to see too. So cleaning out some of your old content or, or putting it into draft again so that you can fix it later. If it was something to get traffic, get, gets traffic, don't, but if it's something that's, you know, just, you know, You'll be amazed if you go all the way down as far as Google Analytics will go to see that you're getting, you know, one hit during the year. (laughs) That's not something. Not worth it. (laughs) No. You know, so get rid of it. uh, Move on. Or maybe save the idea. If the concept is good, save it. Put it in a draft and save it. You know, very likely your title was bad. It contained too many words. You know, I look back and see what I call some of the the blog links, you know, and they're just really too long. And they tell you now to get, you know, specific. So your keywords are in there. My keywords weren't always in there. You know, if it's doing well, leave it alone. Don't touch it. Don't redirect it. Don't do anything. But if it's something you can rewrite, well, you know, that's something to think about too. But, you know, Google Analytics is your friend, and that's that's kind of what you want to start leaning on to build your to build up your posts. So it's like weeding a garden, right? Like you're pulling out yeah. all the bad stuff so you can allow the vegetables and the pretty flowers to grow. And if you keep the weeds in there, there's no guaranteeing that the flowers and vegetables will grow because weeds take over everything. Sure. They take the nutrients. They take your, you know, they take away from what you're trying to show. So and it just makes for a better, you know, all around appearance, you know, of your of your blog, too. This is your property. This is your business. So you want your business to shine. Yeah, definitely. What are your thoughts about images? Because I have some doozy images in my archives that are really embarrassing. And I just pray that nobody ever goes back and looks at them. So how do you determine which ones to reshoot and how do you add that into your process? Well, I have started, that's something that I started doing quite a few years ago was reshooting some of my better posts. Uh, And right now what I'll do is I started a list like the, the pandemic, you know, as bad as it was, it did one really good thing for me. It reminded me that I liked to cook. I had gotten so bogged down with the business of the blog and traveling and social media that we would just go out to eat three or four nights a week. And I just, I was too tired or didn't feel like cooking the pandemic. We didn't leave at all. So, you know, I kind of enjoy doing this. So during that process, I started reshooting a lot of posts and retaking pictures. It's, you know, people tell you don't touch your unicorn posts. Uh, If they're in one and two position, be very careful. I think swapping out images isn't as bad. You know, if you if you start creating the rewriting the content a lot, you might get in trouble. But I, I've started swapping out a lot of my images, and, and I'm going to tell you something I probably shouldn't tell you. But I've also <laughs> started hiring. I've hired some people 
to start reshooting some of my posts for me because there's only so more so many hours in the day. I know. I don't think and that's you, bad. I think that's just yeah. fine to do that. I, you know, it was it was like I was living under a rock. Someone told me this a couple months ago, and I said, "There's what? There's people that'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> Because oh yeah yeah I'll send you invites to the Facebook group so you know through the process it takes some time and and you're going to hit a couple bumps along the way but you know you find a couple people that are good at what they do and let them reshoot for you and then that's when the whole format of rewriting your post comes into play too because I have a, a very specific way of writing a post now for Google to make Google happy. And with the images, it makes it really, really easy. So you're hiring out every reshoot, or do you do some, or just I do some? Okay, I do some, but you know, everybody has a list. Like I have a list on my desk, and like the same fifteen posts that I put on the list that I wanted to reshoot have been there for like four months because I was making something new or something else came into mind. So I started, you know, farming some of those out. You know, I've, I've only done four so far. So it's, it's just starting. It's a beginning process for me. And what I asked for, a lot of them will want to send you completed images. But what I asked for was just raw files. Because although someone else is shooting it, I want the image finished with my eye. I love it. That's so, perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be not really – and then you tell them, like I had to tell the one person, I said, leave me some space. Leave me some empty space on the side of the entree or on the side of the plate. You know, I, I need uh, an open space on either side because that's how I shoot. So, you know, once you tell them that, they go, oh, okay. You know, I don't shoot a lot of verticals, which I should, but I don't. So I tell them to give me some verticals and some horizontals. I want my – product you know uh, the ingredient shot is always horizontal just do that for me you know you, you give them specific instructions and most of them are really eager to make you happy um to me it's like a lot of work to do this <laughs> for what's charging but you know they're happy with it they get a good dinner out of it you know I, I, that's the one thing they say is, oh my god your recipe was so good we really enjoyed it oh that's good so you know i'm in essence paying for their dinner because I pay, you pay for the ingredients plus whatever they charge you, and uh, you know, I guess it's like going out for them. You know, if you if you want to think of it that way. I like that you leave room for you for you to edit your own, or sorry, for you to edit their photography because that is a really easy way to put your spin on it when you don't actually have to photograph it. That's brilliant. I don't know that I would have ever thought of that. It, yeah, again, it gives you. That was the first thing I said. It says I, I don't want you. Besides, you know, that's. That's causing them extra work. So I actually gave them a bonus because they were charging that no matter they finished them or not. But I said, no, just send them to me, you know, send me more, you know, because some of them will say, wow, how many do you want? I told them like 20 to 30 and they'll go, oh, that's a lot of pictures. I said, well, I'm not going to use them all. I says, I might use eight to 10 at the most. They go, oh, okay. Because I think there's a problem with them thinking you're going to use all their images for that price. But I just want to choose. I want some to choose from and, and to try and pick out the ones that are more my style of shooting to try and keep. You know, I had one of the guys actually ordered the background that I use, you know, so that was great. You know, pay the I'll 
happy to pay that extra for that if you're going to shoot with the background I want. So, again, making it look a little bit more like your style. And, again, these aren't recipes that I've never made. I make them. I know how they go. So I can answer questions when people ask me or say this went wrong. It's just and it's and it's good to see that a complete total stranger can make it and it'll come out the way it's supposed to. too. That's a good point too. giving the recipe to someone and saying, here you go. And if they don't have issues, if it went seamlessly and they enjoyed it in the end, that is saying a lot about the recipe. So that's a great point as well. Yeah. So you mentioned having like a process or not a process, but kind of a template that you use now. I'm sure you've done enough if you do 10 a night where you've got it down. Can you talk us through that? Because I find it so fascinating to learn what um, like what order and what elements each person adds to their post. So I'm really curious to hear. Well, the template that I use now is when I write a post, you know, I have kind of updated pretty much. So I, I write a post and, and I've told people to do this and they go, oh my God, it's so much easier that way. Because, all right, you know, I write the recipe, I cook the recipe, I have all the steps out so I know how it's supposed to go. So now I decide on what images I'm going to use. So I always start with a little introduction, you know, a couple sentences to tell, to get that keyword up there at the top and to tell a little bit about it. Then I lead with a picture. So after the picture, I write a little bit more about whatever the picture is. And this is this is something I started, I think, with travel blogging because I didn't know what to write sometimes. So I always pop a picture and then I write about the picture. I pop a picture and then I write about the picture. I pop a picture. I write about the picture. And in no time, the post is done. For me, the hardest part is the recipe, is writing the recipe and the instructions. That's what takes the most time. You, know, you write the recipe, you test the recipe, you rewrite the recipe, and then the instructions and making the instructions clear. So once I started doing that, and once I started taking process shots, which I hated doing, and I still hate doing, but Google loves them. The people that read the posts seem to love them. So, you know, I, again, I'm trying to get them to like my recipes. And, and, and again, we think of things like, that's really so easy. Why would I write that down? But to someone that doesn't cook all the time, it's not easy. It's not common. It doesn't, it's not just, wow, you know, you, you did that to, you cut that onion that way, or you added salt there. You know, why would you do that? You know, well, it's just the way it does, you know, it's, it's becomes automatic for us. So you have to remember that when you're leaving instructions, so, you know, sometimes I'll find I have too many images of process shots. So then I'll go into Canva and I'll make a four-picture four collage and talk about them. But I try to get eight to ten shots in every food post now. Oh, wow. So you do – okay, so eight to ten total or eight to ten process? No, eight to ten total. Okay. I like your idea of collages. I don't do that enough, but that's a really good idea if you have a really complicated recipe – and you want to show more than like three steps, sure. collages are so easy to make in Canva. Yeah. And then you have that template done. So all you do, you know, and even putting number one, two, three, and four in the block. So then you just throw a picture in, you slide a picture in and it's done. You know, uh, talking about Gutenberg reusable blocks, I have one that's called Mise en Place. 
And every one of my ingredient lists has this little blurb that I say about, you know, in chef speak, a mise en place is everything in its place. It's best to get all your ingredients together ahead of time. And, and I do this when I cook here. I lay them all out because I don't want to know that I don't have any basil or I don't want to know that I don't have a lemon in the house when I need a lemon to finish a recipe. So by getting all your ingredients out and taking a picture of it, you're, you're letting the reader see that it's, you know, maybe you've only got six ingredients or eight ingredients. All right, that doesn't look that difficult. I can do that. I know what those ingredients are. One of them isn't truffles from the left side of a tree in a park in the south of France. You know, I don't know where I'm going to get those. You know, <laughs> you know, some people use ingredients that you got no idea in hell where you're going to find them. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, keep it simple. Use basic stuff. You know, uh, some of the Asian ingredients are the hardest. But if you direct them to an Asian grocery store, which there are plenty of, you know, they're easy to find. Uh, but the collages make it easy if you have an overabundance of photos. Like some things are steps, just there's a lot of steps. And if you started adding every image in, it would just get too tedious. So the collage lets them see it. And under the collage, it'll have the four steps or more, sometimes more, that are involved in that collage. And then you move on to the next, the next picture. So, you know, the picture is worth a thousand words. So if you use it to your benefit and you pop the next picture in and then you start writing about it because you're inspired or if it's a step by step, you take the instruction that you've already written out and pop that underneath the picture. So that's making writing the post even easier. And then sometimes I'll see, well, that instruction isn't as clear as I'd like it to be. So that lets me see it again. And rewrite it, and then I'll just go and put that back in the in the recipe card. I'll swap them out. So that's the process. And again, once you get rolling, it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, you start with a, a hero shot, you end with a hero shot. You have your ingredients and all your process shots in between. Sometimes you can sneak two heroes in at the end, and then your call to action, and I, and that's in every post, and. If it's a if it's a seasonal or a holiday recipe like this is St. Patrick's Day, I've been cooking Irish food for the last two weeks because I did not have any in my repertoire, you know. So I've been making stuff like crazy, and it'll be food made or these Irish dishes. Well, maybe they're not always just for St. Patrick's Day, but then it'll be all the Irish dishes that I have right now or the that are appropriate. And then if it was like cottage pie, other ground beef recipes. So I've got two sections of my links that they can go to. So, you know, it all depends on, on what feels right to you and where you want people to go and where you want to send them. You know, that's all right in there. And then the last thing is the call to action, which is if you if you made it, let me know. And rate it, you know, rate the recipe. And it's when I started doing that, I started getting more ratings than I could have imagined. And more really? Confident. I love ah. hearing that because I just started doing that, too, like really recently. But, yeah, it's it's good to remind people. I think our readers and our audience want to support us in that way, but they don't know that they need to be doing that. But when they're asked, they're like, absolutely, this takes 60 seconds of my time or less. I am more than happy to click that star and leave you a comment. Yeah, and that has driven more of my posts up into the first page. 
you know, so they're getting honest reviews and people that are making it, making it. So, you know, Google is, is seeing more as a trusted source now. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. It's a good, um, it's a good path to start to go down. I am looking at your um, posts right now, your recent St. Patrick's Day post. This chocolate cake looks so ridiculously good. I keep scrolling back to it. I'm like, oh, I need a bite of that. That <laughs> looks so delicious. Yeah, the Guinness cake was yes. very nice. Uh, oh my goodness. And um, wasn't difficult. There were a few simple techniques. And you know, there's there's tons of recipes out there too. So how many people have made a Guinness chocolate cake? You know, it, anything you're going to write, they're so common sometimes unless you come up. You know, I'm always amazed when I make something and there isn't one post about it. I'm like, oh, Okay, either it's never going to make it or it's going to be a star. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you just never know, right? Chocolate cake. See, you never know. But, you know, that again, that's where it becomes your job to let people know. And that's what social media is for and your newsletters. For. Oh, yes. I would love to talk to you a little more about that. But first, okay, I want to ask about the ingredient shots because I've been hesitant to implement that in my own blog because like you said process shots are not super fun uh, I do process shots but I, I have never done ingredient shots but that's kind of a new thing a lot of bloggers are doing them do you think I need to start I you know I would I would start adding it simply because you're showing the reader how many things they need to gather to make it so you know and a lot of people you know there were there was a big outcry about the jump to recipe buttons at first because they're missing all the ads well no people want to see if it's doable if they can make it so they'll jump to the recipe and go yeah i look at the ingredients i think i can make that it's not too difficult for me so it's the same thing with the ingredient shot oh look at them okay there's there's not that many you know <laughs> i count sometimes i'll have like 15 ingredients because of all the different herbs or spices or different things. And I go, Oh God, this is overwhelming. Um, I know it would be overwhelming for me, so I don't want to overwhelm other people. But you know, if you show that process shot and again, as a blogger, it's a business. You want another picture in there. That's going to leave you room for ad space. So every picture not only tells a story, every picture makes you money. Mm, love it quote of the day there, Dennis. Yeah, that is so true. Okay, fine, fine. I'll start doing them. <laughs> you know, once you get used to making the ingredient shots, it again is second nature. I have a half a sheet pan. I bought all these little bowls, different kind of bowls and stuff. And uh, I just get all the ingredients out. I measure them. You know, and that way the recipe goes actually goes a lot faster because you've measured everything out. You've got it at your fingertips. You don't forget anything because it's right in front of you. And you, you just go put it on your wherever you're taking your pictures, take a quick couple shots. You know, once again, once you start doing it, you kind of get a pattern of how you want it to be. And it goes really quick. And then you come back and you start making it. And then as you're making it, you go out and you take a different process, like with the, uh, the stew or something. You know, all right, seared the beef. Here's a picture of the seared beef. I come back. You know, I get my steps in that way. Oh, too, there you I go. I love it. <laughs> Out to the porch, out to the porch, <laughs> back inside, out to the porch. That's inside. a good way to look at it. Yeah. And I love what you said earlier. If you have all of your ingredients out and ready, you're not scrambling. So it's really helping you to just, you know, have everything together before you start. So that's a good way. That speaks to me. That will make me probably do that. 
And then your um, cottage pie, I just have to say this, that looks so, that photo I saw on Instagram the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, that pea and the carrot and the beef and the potatoes and oh my goodness, I must be really hungry. Your your stuff looks, (laughs) I am just drooling over this stuff, Dennis, amazing. You know, and it wasn't one of the prettiest things I made. You know, it, it does. Well, no, that's exactly my point. Like shepherd's pie is pretty ugly. Yeah. But you, this photo makes it look absolutely beautiful. That came out. You know, I, I got, I get lucky. You know, well, again, you're taking enough shots, and everybody kind of gets their rhythm. And and I always try to take overhead at a, like a 45 degree angle, and then flat. You know, right direct into it. And those are my three kind of techniques for shooting. I don't do a lot of vertical, which I really need to start doing more of, uh, again, because it takes up real estate um, kind of a thing. But as an old style film photographer back in the Stone Age when man used camera and film, you know, it was always it was always horizontal. We never shot in vertical. It was I don't know why, but that's what Kodak brainwashed us into doing. Um, <laughs> It's ingrained now, right? Yeah, old habits really die hard. I really do. Oh, I hear you on that. So true. So you touched on a little bit about the importance of social media and newsletters. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, Well, social media is the one way to get your message out. And, you know, a lot of people complain about it. I, I complain about it. I mean, but... It's not, oh, it's not real. You're just putting it in groups and people are sharing it. It's manufactured. Well, you know what? It's advertising. How many billboards do you still pass on the highway when you drive? Social media is a billboard. Social media, you never know who's going to see it, when they're going to see it, what they're going to remember. And especially if you're working for a client, you want as many eyes on that product as you possibly can to see how many and you never really know how many of them come back through it but they may and the more exposure you give to one of your posts the better chance you have of it getting comments getting people going to it and i've had posts that i think are so unlikely that are never going to get anything turn almost viral and because i have a process again for social media you know, it goes into Twitter, it goes into Facebook, it goes into Instagram, it goes into Pinterest. And then I start sharing them in groups and I let other people help me, you know, get the word out. And I have a VA that helps me with the shares. So, you know, it doesn't take all my time. You know, it, it, the old adage of you have to spend money to make money is very true. So if you're putting food on the table with what you're making from your blog, it's difficult to do. But if you can scrape some of it out and start putting it back into your blog and sometimes in the form of advertising or hiring a VA, it'll free you up to do more things that'll help you make more money. Where, where do you recommend spending advertising dollars? Which platforms? Well, the only one that you really get a bang for your buck is Facebook. You know, and people hate it, hate it, the pay to play. But you know what? That's what they do. That's the only way you're going to get seen. So if you can work it into a budget, and it doesn't have to be a lot, it can be $5, it can be $10. You know, when I when someone hires me to write a blog post, 
I take about a 5% of what they're going to pay. I've added it on to what they're going to pay me. And I use that to do a really good Facebook campaign. And they're usually blown away because if I'm putting, you know, three or $400 on a campaign, then it gets buku likes, you know, and it gets a lot of visibility. And they, they, they like, well, you know, we are not worthy kind of attitude towards me. You know, it's like, uh, and they'll come back. And they'll come back again and they'll pay me another outrageous amount of money to write a post because I got them 100,000 impressions, you know, or 150,000 impressions. You know, I got one company, a million impressions. And, and they were talking about, yeah, they were talking about me at a conference. They were, a friend of mine says, they're up there on the stage talking about you now. This was a travel. Just because you're getting them so much traffic. So, you know, you become... You know, they don't even think about when you say, all right, it's going to be another $500 or if I'm, I'm, I'm asking for you know $3,000 or $5,000 or whatever you're asking for, they'll go, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, with that kind of exposure. So what do you, how many dollars do you recommend food bloggers spending? Because we don't have like wild budgets. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if, if you don't have money, I mean... And again, you, you enter into the dark realm when you start, because once you start, you can never come back. But if you look at how many likes and how many shares you're getting now, unless you're already doing well, if you're doing well with the system you have, do not advertise unless you get sponsored posts. But if you're not, start dipping your toes in. And they make it really easy. There's a boost button under it. And you can get more specific by going to the ad center and really nailing down the specifics of who you want. And like I just boosted the cake and it was, you know, you look for topics that they'll have uh, in their system that people are already interested in this. So it's chocolate cake. It's baking. It's the Food Network. It's the Cooking Channel. It's maybe Sally's Baking Edition because people love Sally. So I'm gonna look for the people. I'm gonna target the people that already like her. You know, you're gonna target people that are looking for what you've made. And sometimes you rock it, and sometimes it just drops like a rock. So it's it's hard to say what exactly is going to work, but this is what I do each time. I go after a specific age group. I usually go between 23 and like 55. That's like the, the busy, biggest section of my readers. Um, I always keep it above 21 just in case there's any alcohol issues or anything else that you, know, you get any kind of uh, gray area with Facebook. Uh, but I mean, Go down. You can get very specific with who you want to see it if you go to the ad center. And the boosts, there's not quite as many. And then you kind of have a, a segmented. Now, I only show to the United States, too, because they're the ones that pay the most through my ad network. Like uh, during, during the normal course of the year, I have about 68% from the United States and the rest is the rest of the world. And a lot of that thanks to Food Buzz because they got me out there and then Google Plus got me out there even more. But, you know, they don't the other countries don't pay very well in comparison to the United States over Thanksgiving. They thought I broke the Internet because it was all American readers and my RPM was unbelievable. But, you know, it's, it's you focus. So I focus just on the United States. You know, if you needed to really show somebody some crazy numbers, you can put it to the world. But honestly, those people aren't going to return to you what you really want for your blog. So you've actually found 
quite a few are quite a bit of traction. Like you get blog um, visits from focusing yeah. on Facebook ads. Okay. I, I do. I get a, a fair amount of traffic. Uh, it's not in terms of rocking the world. It's never going to be, and it shouldn't be extremely high because if it's higher than your organic traffic or close to your organic traffic, you're doing something wrong in terms of posting because you want the majority of it to be from organic traffic. Uh, I think 70%, 75% of my traffic is organic. Uh, the next biggest chunk of it is direct traffic and then Pinterest. And then after Pinterest, then we'll have Facebook every now and then Twitter will warm its way up in there, but not usually. Um, actually, surprisingly, um, the other, the other search engines too. And I don't, I can't even think of them because I don't use them, but, um, did you mention Pinterest? Pinterest? Yeah. Pinterest is number three. Pinterest is generally, and that's a search engine, but it's still kind of a social search engine. Um, but you know, Yahoo, I still get some stuff from them, you know, crazy as it seems, uh, Bing, Bing's the other one, not a lot of traffic, but some, and, and I have tried, I also now have, um, I run some Google ads too. And they don't produce the volume that I thought they might. But again, it's that billboard on the highway that I'm looking for because you don't know how many of them are signing up to my newsletter, how many of them are coming back on their own once they've seen the ad. So I, I, on ads, I lose a little money dollar-wise each month on what they're making me in return. But you don't know what – again, that's advertising. You don't know what the benefits, the long-term benefits are of from it so you, you have to be long-sighted and not always short-sighted when you're going to spend some money and that's again if you have the money to spend it's all well and good um if you have it to spend but again if you're putting food on your family's table especially in these times you know you just have to be prudent about what you're going to spend oh that's so true i know i did facebook advertising years ago and i feel like i invested so much money for really nothing i didn't know what i was doing and it such a dumb thing that I, that i even put money there without really knowing what i was doing so ever since then i've just been a little bit afraid to dive into that so i feel like we could have an entirely other conversation on that because it's something i've never understood like is the boost button worth it do i need to go through the is it called the campaigns manager or some campaign manager? Yeah, the campaign manager, you can really dive deeper. You can really, I mean, you could target 30-year-old women from Wisconsin if you wanted to, uh, divorced women marry, you know, with two kids or whatever. I mean, you can get real specific. I don't think you need to unless you were targeting a specific product for a company that was looking for that specific, you know, uh, people, sort of people, demographic. But, you know, again, like I said, I, I stay with the United States. I used to send it to Canada, too. But what happens is Canada is cheaper to buy ads from the United States. So you wouldn't get as much exposure in the United States because they'd be spending it all on the, on the Canadian ads, which were cheaper, if you let Facebook decide for you. So then I just said, you know, to hell with it. I make my money through the United States ads. So let's target those people. One other thing someone told me, too, and actually Casey mentioned it. He was having lunch with a woman who does uh, Facebook ads. I don't use her for Facebook ads, but what she did set up for me was a subscription ad. And we spend $5 a day on a subscription ad. And that's, I've tried spending more and it doesn't do anything. 
And the subscription ad puts ads for me about my blog to sign up to subscribe to my blog through there. And I've gotten, I think, a little over 2,000 in a year subscribers via Facebook. Whoa, that is something I've never heard before. That's cool. I hadn't either. And and Casey was having lunch with her and she said something and she goes, well, none of the bloggers do that. And she went, oh my God, are you kidding me? They don't take advantage of this. So I was like, I think I was the first one. I was the guinea pig. And it just started really rolling in after that. And I was like, you know, this is an untapped reservoir of people. And again, I told her target just the United States because, you know, and, and other people see it but it's just because that's again you know when we first started it we were targeting the world and then targeting canada and and north america and then i said look let's be more specific let's just target the united states so she's tried some different pictures you know different things do well like it seemed that they like pictures of me rather than pictures of food they were more inclined to sign up if they saw me you know standing there in a chef coat or or however once she decided yeah, because they were looking for Chef Dennis. So, and again, bloggers are always afraid to show themselves. But let's go back to the days of Google+. Authority comes from people trusting you. People trust people that they see and they can put a face to something they do. So, you know, that's always been the philosophy behind that. You know, and it's, it seems proven true. Like one of the first things you always want to have is a picture of yourself at the top of your blog. Don't be afraid to show yourself. You know, you don't have to show your kids. You don't have to show your husband or wife. You don't have to show any of the rest of your family. But, you know, let them see the person that's asking them to trust them and to try their recipes and to subscribe to them. Let you be that person. You know, be your brand and draw people to you because of your likability and your trust factor. Dennis, wow, that was so well said. Another shining quote (laughs) that I will highlight. That was amazing. So it is important. Social media is very important in this whole scheme. When we're updating our old posts and optimizing them, it's not just about doing the things within WordPress and then hitting publish. It's also about what we do after and putting them out into the world. Yes, yeah, that's super absolutely. important. And newsletters are important too, right? I mean, you've got to tell people that you're updating your old stuff and announce it there. Yeah, and again, you know, there's things that I like to do and things that I don't like to do. And I never had a successful newsletter. I mean, I would send it out maybe two weeks in a row and then six months later I'd go, oh, I haven't sent a newsletter in a while. Uh, and you're missing a really big opportunity that people are letting you into their inbox. So when I don't like to do something, I find someone who likes to do that and I hire them. So, I mean, it's, it costs me. I have, I have a young woman that is incredible at her job. She just graduated from marketing at Temple last year. She loves doing it. She, she can even write copy. She writes in my voice and it's like a hundred dollars a month to take care of my news. We just switched me over to another a whole other we went from active campaign to convert kit and and I tried convert kit on my own and I couldn't get it it just it was I don't know why it just was hurting my head so I active campaign I could kind of get but I still didn't like doing it so she writes my newsletters you know like me 
and she'll say, you know, you know, I've been traveling a lot lately, and I brought these dishes back for me from Paris. How do you like this one? You know, or like, oh my god. Oh, that's so nice when you can find someone who writes in your voice, isn't it? You know, and again, I've almost been tempted to let her write copies sometimes because she does that too. But I think I've gotten her very busy uh, with other email people, so I don't know if she has time anymore. <laughs> but, you know, finding someone that can help you do a task that you don't like. And, you know, $100 a month isn't a lot of money uh, to help you get more subscribers and to help you. And the big thing is the funnel. Like, you know, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to start a welcome funnel. So now, you know, my subscribers get an e She makes the ebooks for me too. They get an ebook and then they go into a funnel where they get welcome emails and they get used to you coming into their inbox. And that's the big thing with a newsletter is you got to get these people used to seeing your email and clicking on it and going, oh, it's okay to click on it. Oh, there it is again. There it is again. Click on it. So they know your name. They get used to seeing you. It becomes a pattern for them. So they're going to open it a lot more. So my open rates, you know, keep going up as my subscribers go up. And, and talking about newsletters too, a good uh, pop-up or a good subscriber, um, a, a good thing for your blog is finding the right pop-up or the right, the, but the right widget or, or uh, you know, the right, uh, to have. So uh, I was using, I forget what I was using for a long time, and it was dribs and drabs. And then I went to Convert Pro and Convert Pro, which is part of Convert Kit. And I wasn't using Convert Kit at the time, but but uh, one of my people that takes care of the blog told me, says, you know, you should try to take a look at Convert Pro. I went, okay, I did. I said, can you install it for me? They went, yes, we can over at NerdPress. You know, they're just wonderful too. And uh, they installed it and set it up. And then all of a sudden, I started getting 15 and 20 subscribers a day. I was like, insane. And uh, it really entices people. And I, I told other people and they were getting the same results. So, you know, it's, it's a way to find something because the subscriber list is the only thing you actually – it's the only thing that is really yours. If the social media folded and you had no other recourse to get blogs to, to your stuff to people, you know, um, your email list. So my email list grown from 4,500 uh, last year to 10,000 this year. Oh, my so, goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. So in a space of a year, just applying some effort and, and sending out weekly emails. Oh, my God. What a concept. <laughs> it's like, who knew people would like those? Being consistent, right? You Just like sending something out to your people consistently. So like you said, they get used to opening your emails. Right. And, you know, and. For a bigger blogger, that's not a lot of subscribers. I know it's not. You know, I have friends that have like 40,000, 50,000 uh, subscribers. You know, and then it starts to get really expensive with your the emails that you're using, the companies that you're using, because they charge you more per subscriber. Uh, you need to weed them out sometimes. But, you know, it's, it's something to focus on to start with, to start getting your message out. You know, and again, if you can't do it, uh, if you have a teenage child that wants to make some extra money and is savvy, you know, there's always a place to go. If you have a neighbor that has a teenage child, they can do stuff. You know, there's always opportunities to find people that won't cost you too much to help get you where you need to be. So you can free your time up 
for things that are going to actually make you more money. I have a teenager in my house. I might hit him up for some help. <laughs> I actually do ask him occasionally. I'm like, do you, if you're really interested in making money, because he's always like, mom, I want money for this. Then I say, okay, let me know. I like, I'm serious. I will put you to work, but he's got to be serious first. Like he's just kind of like, eh, but maybe he'll get there. You have to let them know the possibilities because if you, like I said, if you teach them to take your pictures or take your videos, is do you know that people will pay you $300 to make a video for them? You know, and they'll go, what? Do you know that you can do this instead of working in a restaurant while you're in college or, or doing some other menial task? You know? Yeah, it's true. Like paint the picture for them and maybe that will ignite something. My younger son is 10 and he has that like really good work work ethic that I know when he's a few years older, he's totally going to do something like that. When I explained just what you did, like $300 to a kid is like a million dollars. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's, they're thinking what they can buy with that. You know, that's, that's a lot, a lot of stuff. Like a lot of Lego I, sets I, right I, there. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Ocean City uh, during last year for a while, and I, I had a place on the second floor, and I did not want to bring all my luggage up to the second floor and all the stuff. So I put an ad in the local paper for someone to help me, and I said, I'll give you $40 for about 15 minutes worth of work. And the kid came over. His father goes, yeah, he always wants you know new stuff for his skateboard. He wants that. And he goes, and that's too much money you're giving him. I said, you know what? My back is thanking him. It's worth $40. <laughs> it's very good. So, you know, kids kids will work for money if they're motivated, you know. And again, you're, and you're teaching. And think of it this way, too. You're helping them. You're teaching them to be, to have a work ethic, to know that their time is valuable and that they can actually make something. Yes, it absolutely. Too. I love that. We've covered so much, Dennis. This has been really enjoyable and valuable. So we talked about just your process for going through old Posts, why we should be optimizing old posts. I am going to come up with a process of your like um, kind of revolving around your like doing 10 things a night. I don't think it'll be 10, but I do want to get back into the groove of consistently updating like that. So thank you for that inspiration. And also just to talk about Facebook ads and the value of social media when you're optimizing and updating and also your newsletter. So I feel like we covered so much great stuff today. Is there one main takeaway you would like to deliver to food bloggers along the lines of optimizing old blog posts? Well, optimizing old blog posts, don't be afraid to touch them. You know, don't think that you can't improve on it. If you can, you do. You know, sometimes I'll just go into a post to check something and and I will rewrite the first paragraph to make it more Google friendly. So, you know, just start thinking about your blog as your business and what you can do to improve it. No matter what you do, everything you do has to be to improve it. So that's the takeaway, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's the newsletter or whether it's, you know, it's, it's taking new pictures. Your blog is your business. Treat it like a business. You know, if it's a hobby and you never care about making money, you know, there may come a time when you lose your job and you'll go, I wish I had that. Or when the pandemic hit and everything got cut back, I wish I had that income. So treat it as a business 
and be smart about it. That that would be my takeaway. Those are incredible words. Thank you, Dennis, so much for being here all the way from 10 years ago when I first met you on Food Buzz. That's not even yeah. like on uh, anyone's radar. People are like, huh? Food what? No. <laughs> But yeah. I think it turned into glam. Oh, I don't even. Yeah, I never followed it after I got. We all got dropped like overnight. Literally, we were like, what oh just God. happened? Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, it was sad. I remember we were all like, what's going sad. on? What are we going to do? But we made it. We survived. Sorry, no. <laughs> we did. We did. That would be my, my key uh, phrase, too, uh, that I use all the time that my freshman football coach taught me was endeavor to persevere. Oh, see? This all is tying together. Yeah. Endeavor to persevere. I had to look it up at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> There's gold there, though, in those few words. I love that. Thank you so much, Dennis. This has been a pleasure having you here. It's been great to talk to you. We are going to put together a show notes page for you, Dennis. So if anyone wants to peek at those, you can find them at eatblogtalk.com forward slash askchefdennis. Tell everyone where they can find you online, Dennis. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at askchefdennis.com. And I'm pretty much Ask Chef Dennis on every social media you can find. And uh, yeah, stop by and say hello. Drop me a note, uh, askchefdennis at gmail.com. And if you have any questions and I can help you, I will be more than happy to share my knowledge with you because, you know, a rising tide raises all the boats. Oh, my gosh. I, that's so funny. I was just I think I told you before we recorded that I was writing an episode about this. So a few things that you've talked about, like that is the phrase that I'm basing the entire episode on. So it's really funny that you said that. And I have to say. Chef Dennis is the, one of the most giving, generous people as far as like sharing information. That's kind of your theme. Whenever I think of you, I think of like how generous you are with all the things you've learned over the years. So I really appreciate you extending that offer. And it doesn't surprise me at all that you did that. So thank you, Dennis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, thanks thank for you. Me. Yes. Thanks again. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.